Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here with Chelsea, and we are joined today with Chris Lotzball. Uh, and we are into numbers. We're going to learn a lot about Balaam today. Uh, and so, like, I feel like Balaam is like one of those stories you hear about a decent bit if you've been in like Christian circles. Uh, but maybe what you've heard is not actually like diving very deep into what's going on. It's just actually like, hey, that's that story where that donkey talks. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is, you know, and I think even just to, to give us a little bit of a setting, we've kind of made a transition in this book. Uh, we started uh, the book at... Mount Sinai, and that the first number of chapters were right at the foot of Sinai. All these instructions are happening. Then we enter into the 38-ish years of wandering, walking in circles throughout the wilderness. And now for the rest of this book, we are on the plains of Moab. So it's they've, they're approaching the promised land. They're not there yet, but they're starting to basically overlook the promised land. And this is where this story takes place. We've got the king of Moab, Balak, who is feeling a little bit insecure because there's this huge mass of people that is coming through his area. Israel, who has just uh, defeated the Amorites, and pretty recently Moab lost a battle to the Amorites. So it's like they are third on the totem pole here. And Balak's a little bit nervous, so he decides to try to seek some divine favor by talking to a guy named Balaam. So what do we want to say about Balaam? (laughs) Is Balaam a good guy or, I mean, what's the deal here? He's like speaking on behalf of the Lord, so he must be kind of cool. <laughs> he does speak, Him and the Lord, kind of cool. <laughs> does speak on behalf of the Lord, kind of cool, and then he ends up beating an animal and then <sighs> uh, does Strike interesting one. things. I mean, one of the first things we see is how is Balak inciting or, or compensating Balaam for what he's about to do? Mm. It's not just, let's just bless these because I have a prophetic utterance. This is a money-making opportunity. Right. So there's definitely an opportunity for some corruption here. Uh, he's basically trying to buy a curse. Uh, if I pay you this money, will you go and curse my enemy, this huge nation that is about to wipe me out? Uh it is interesting as you go through, is like, Balaam, is he a good guy or bad guy? And it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. The rest of scripture, I think, actually helps us mm-hmm. make a determination if he is a good guy or bad guy. Uh, later, in a, a little while in Joshua, when uh, Balaam is actually killed, it says he was killed because he practiced magic or divination. Everything in the law so far says this is not a good thing to do. Uh, it's forbidden. Uh, he pops up uh, th- a little bit later in the story of he's inciting these foreign women to go and have sexual relations with Israel. And that was always kind of a strategy that was used to lead people astray, that if you ended up marrying a woman who worshiped a different God, your heart could be led astray as well. So that was an attempt to weaken the nation. And then when we finally get to the New Testament, Second Peter and Jude, a few other places pick up and mention Balaam, and he's always described in unsavory terms as a false teacher. So... Right alongside Cora, who we know is not great. My verse is bad guy. Bad guy? (laughs) Okay. Bad guy. We have an answer. Good and bad people. Survey says. Survey says bad. Hate him. Nope, that's not true. But (laughs) Chelsea felt guilty for for saying that. It's actually kind of funny. I take it back. (laughs) If he is a bad guy, what do we see God doing, though? This is interesting, right? So, like, a lot of the things that he says are, are real, true prophecies. 
I mean, he, he like prophesies over cool. nations, like like far out into the future. He he has some Christological like allusions that are coming. Okay, right, that's a big word. Was that yeah, mean? define that, please. <laughs> so he he has some prophecies about Christ in in this text, but he's probably not a follower of God. Yeah, I think he was probably a worshiper of multiple gods. Yeah. Whether Yahweh wanted to speak to him or whether some other Ugabuga gods wanted <laughs> to speak to him, he would take uh, all comers, you know. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I'd still say bad guy. But <laughs> what does a good God do? It works through anybody. Man, exactly. <laughs> huh, it's so interesting. And, I mean, yeah, what can God can use literally anybody for his purposes. <laughs> I mean, we saw that pretty clear in this passage. And... We know, I mean, you said earlier that, like, God's exclusivity is very important to him. Like, just because he used Balaam is not an affirmation on Balaam's theology. Right? Yeah. Balaam's not the most shocking communicator in this text. I mean, we've got, we've got the donkey talking. Oh, yeah. So I, was like, the donkey, I was like, who are we talking we, about? The one we hear about in Sunday school? I mean, that's the part that gets preached on. Right, That's exactly. the Shrek situation? Yes. Okay, you want to do so. a Shrek? No. I don't have it in me, actually. But <laughs> Okay, but I got to say, when I'm reading this passage and I think about Balak, who all these times he's like, go do this, go curse them. I just think like he is about to erupt. He's like one of those cartoon characters whose head is going to explode. <laughs> he's going to go full George Costanza here in a moment. Like, <laughs> full rage. Just lose it. <laughs> Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out was that, I mean, just to keep everybody, like, remembering God's whole story, we have heard about the Moabites before. They are from Lot, the, the incestuous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, again, we they, they've come from somebody, and they've been living there all this time. So speaking of God's whole story, another thing that sticks out to me, there's there's been several parts in these readings where, like, you actually get a picture represented in the text of how big the nation of Israel mm-hmm. is. Right. Um, so, so you know, think back to beginning of January where we're talking about like a couple of families. Yeah. Now we're going to the tops of mountains to look out over the people and like who are dying by the millions. <laughs> <laughs> but the second generation, the second generation, they're they're, they're looking good. They're coming right. of age. But I mean, it's it, he takes him up there and he's like, look, just curse like that part over there, and it's like. A lot yeah, of people. Yeah, that is hey, crazy. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's a picture of the promise to Abraham. Yeah, it is. Whoa. You know, your it, descendants will be as numerous as the stars yeah. in the sky. And as they're up there on the mountain, it looks like this insurmountable army that he's willing to pay to have cursed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Okay, so the angel of the Lord blocks the way. Dang Who that do you guy. think the angel of the Lord is? Well, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit, uh, and... I mean, I think a a number of times in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord shows up or there's like this spiritual being, sometimes we're given descriptions about them. And when it's more descriptive, it's a little bit easier to determine. Sometimes when it's a little general, it's hard. I generally lean towards the angel of the Lord being Jesus, uh, appearing multiple times in in the Old Testament. I think uh, he's outside of time and space, uh, and so he's not limited. He can kind of pop in here and there whenever he wants. Uh, And it actually just connects the story so much if, if that happens, that we've got, like, the Trinity is always involved in God's whole story from the beginning to the end. Right. There wasn't a character that showed up on the scene yes. at some point. Uh, all three, Father, Son, and Spirit, have been involved from day one till day last. Right. So we see actually all three of the Trinity in this story because the Spirit of God falls on hmm. Balaam, Jesus appears to him, and God the Father speaks to him. Pretty wild. How about that? <laughs> 
So Lucky Balaam. Christological <laughs> and Trinitarian theology here. Wow, what are those big words, Chris? Come on, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, it's been a blast just walking through this passage. Hopefully you're taking away a little bit something more than, hey, that was cool. It was a talking donkey. I wonder what he sounded like. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we've enjoyed this journey. Um, We'll see you again tomorrow. See ya. Bye. Bye. Numbers 22, starting in verse 1. Then the people of Israel traveled to the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River across the Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, This mob will devour everything in sight like an ox devours grass in the field. So Balak, king of Moab, sent messengers to call Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pithor near the Euphrates River. His message said, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening to me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on any people you curse. Balak's messengers, who were the elders of Moab and Midian, set out with money to pay Balaam to place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men visiting you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand up to them and drive them from the land. But God told Balaam, Do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and told Balak's official, Go on home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a larger number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers. Even if Balak were to give me his place, his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them, but do only what I tell you to do. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road and block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between the two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in the place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. 
What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel of the Lord demanded. Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. Then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will return home if you are against my going. But the angel of the Lord told Balaam, Go with these men, but say only what I tell you to say. So Balaam went on with Balak's officials. When King Balak heard that Balaam was on his way, he went out to meet at the Moabite town on the Arnon River at the farthest border of his land. Didn't I send you an urgent invitation? Why didn't you come right away? Balak asked Balaam. Didn't you believe me when I said I would reward you richly? Balaam replied, Look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam accompanied Balak to Kiriath-Huzoth, where the king sacrificed cattle and sheep. He sent portions of the meat to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to Bamoth Baal. From there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. Then Balaam said to King Balak, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. Balak followed his instructions, and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand here by your burnt offerings, and I will go to see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam went alone to the top of the bare hill, and God met him there. Balaam said to him, I have prepared seven altars and have sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. The Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. This was the message Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. But how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves, set apart from other nations. Who can count Jacob's descendants as, in, as numerous as dust? Who can count even a fourth of Israel's people? Let me die like the righteous. Let my life end like theirs. Then King Balak demanded of Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them? But Balaam replied, I will speak only the message that the Lord puts in my mouth. Then King Balak told him, Come with me to another place. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on the Pigsa Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offerings while I go over there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. This was the message that Balaam delivered. 
Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He has been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them he is as strong as a wild ox. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob, What wonders God has done for Israel. These people rise up like a lioness. Like a majestic lion rousing itself, they refuse to rest until they have feasted on prey, drinking the blood of the slaughtered. Then Balak said to Balaam, Fine, but if you won't curse them, at least don't bless them. But Balaam replied to Balak, Didn't I tell you that I can only do what the Lord tells me? Then King Balak said to Balaam, Come, I will take you to one more place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them from there. So Balak took Balaam to the top of Mount Peor, overlooking the wasteland. Balaam again told Balak, Build me seven altars and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. So Balak did as Balaam ordered and offered a young bull and ram on each altar. By now, Balaam realized that the Lord was determined to bless Israel, so he did not resort to divination as before. Instead, he turned and looked out towards the wilderness, where he saw the people of Israel camped tribe by tribe. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and this is the message he delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly, the message of the one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down to with eyes wide open. How beautiful are your tents, O Jacob! How lovely are your homes, O Israel! They spread before me like palm groves, like gardens by the riverside. They are like tall trees planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their offspring have all that they need. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. For he, for them he is strong as a wild ox. He devours all the nations that oppose him, breaking their bones in pieces, shooting them with arrows. Like a lion, Israel crouches and lies down, like a lioness who dares to arouse her. Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you." King Balak flew into a rage against Balaam. He angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them three times. Now get out of here. Go home. I promised to reward you richly, but the Lord has kept you from that reward. Balaam told Balak, Don't you remember that I told your messengers? I said, Even if I, if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord. I told you that I could say only what the Lord says. Now I am returning to my own people. But first let me tell you what the Israelites will do to your people in the future. This is the message Balaam delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor, the message of the man whose eyes see clearly, the message of the one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who bows down with eyes wide open. I see him, and but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in a, the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the heads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. Edom will be taken over and Seir, its enemy, will be conquered, while Israel marches on in triumph. A ruler will rise in Jacob who will destroy the survivors of Ur. Then Balaam looked 
over toward the people of Amalek and deliver this message. Amalek was the greatest of the nations, but his destiny is destruction. Then he looked over towards the Kenites and delivered this message. Your home is secure, your nest is set in the rocks, but the Kenites will be destroyed when Assyria takes you captive. Balaam concluded his message by saying, Alas, who can survive unless God has willed it? Ships will come from the coast of Cyrus. They will oppress Assyria and afflict Eber, but they too will be utterly destroyed. Then Balaam left and returned home, and Balak also went on his way. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.